This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Star Spurs podcast. I'm your host, Tommy, and with me this week is Catherine. Hello. Uh, Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. And coming back from an uh, extended hiatus, Austin. Hey, what's up, everybody? All right, so the agenda today is going to be a little more depressing, or at least in the first half, at least. Maybe it'll be a little bit more uh, enlightening in the second half, uh, but First half, we're going to review both losses against Vitesse in the Conference League and yesterday's loss in the Premier League against West Ham. Uh, set our halftime, we got Catherine Spurs Women Update and Luke's Locks. Second half, we will be previewing the Burnley game on Wednesday in the League Cup. And to round out the podcast, um, the Manchester United game on Saturday. Uh, you're, and for anybody that's, or that's wondering, your uh, questions will be answered, so um, they'll be in the appropriate segment, of course. So, unfortunately, we don't have, really have an icebreaker, so let's just jump into it. Unfortunately, we lost against Vitesse. Um, it was, I was busy at work that day, so I was going to watch it later. And then in my Formula One chat on WhatsApp, my IX friend, coincidentally, he was at the second leg where Lucas Mora broke his heart. Um, he messaged me after the game saying we lost 1-0. So I knew what was going in, and looking at the stats, it was less than stellar. But um, as Alistair Gold said on Twitter, um, it was a second-rate lineup with some youth. We had some or we had some second-string players play, of course, like Deli Ali and so forth. Um and they haven't played together. So the one nil loss isn't the worst thing in the world. And it's also the away leg. Um, I only saw six minutes worth of it at least, or it felt like just because I fell asleep after work, but um, who does anybody have any comments about this? Cause I don't know. Lucas, what do you got? No, I mean, this game was exactly like, it was exactly like we expected it to be um, when you throw that lineup out there. We've shown them many times, especially this year in like the qualifying bits or even um, last year during the Europa qualifying bits, um, just how difficult of a time we have when we do a heavy rotation. Um, in this case, it was 11 guys were rotated. We seem to have such a problem um, identity wise. I mean, we'll get to West Ham, but I think we have a big identity problem with our starting 11. And then we throw in 11 guys that haven't even played together. And it just, it, it was very, if for those that didn't get to see it, um, the Pacos to whatever the their name was, the first team we played in the that Portuguese side, it was the exact same game as that. It was virtually, it was a carbon copy. Um, there was just very little in ways of creativity or able to string together a nice like amount of passes to resemble something like an attack it was 
um, it was just really boring. And it was, um, it was very clear that these guys were like guys that hadn't been playing a lot together, um, which was disappointing. Um, for me personally, I wanted to see a couple guys have a standout game or um, this is one of those, as I call it, like the audition games um, where this is potentially a spot where you could have seen some guys make a bit of a case as to why they should be playing more. Um, and instead we didn't see that, but on the overall side of things, it's not the end of the world for me. I didn't really, didn't really care at all. I'm thinking we were able to rotate, didn't have to waste guys um, like Kane or Sun, or we could give some guys a rest like uh, Hoybear and Skip who have been playing all these minutes. And in the terms of the group, it really doesn't do that much harm. We have to play them again and we get to play them at home. We'll get to play uh, Ren at home and then FC Mora is like, a bunch of shit bags so that should be no problem getting win there so we're still in great position in the group to come out of it and i think that game just was very much there there wasn't a lot of surprises in it for me it was pretty much what i thought was going to happen oh and uh before i forget uh looking at the table we are third right now uh four points um ren is with seven Vitesse is at six and mirror is at zero so like Lucas said, all is not lost. And how we talked about last week, um, none of the players that started against Newcastle and I didn't even travel to the Netherlands. So that's one of the benefit or one of the silver linings, so to speak, is they can at least rest for and instead of you know rest for, for the long run and hopefully not get burnt out. Uh, anybody have any other comments? Awesome, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, the, Lucas hit the nail on the head. The biggest thing for me was that when we look at, you know, who did participate and who, like like you said, audition or trial run, whatever you want to call it, it's that, you know, like Delhi that he came out from what I, again, I didn't get to see very much of it all. I was barely caught a highlight of it, but there wasn't that many highlights from what I understand, but it's more that Delhi didn't turn out for it, you know, and it was flat. Everything I heard about Winks was just to continue that he's, you know, not the answer at all. And then also Stevie B coming out flat. So, you know, with, along with the youth getting some good experience, it was more about what didn't happen that we might have expected, you know, one one piece of brilliance or one, you know, one part of excitement that we are so desperately looking for at the the um, our starting 11 squad for even the Premier League matches. We need we're looking for that and it, for that not to even be turned up there. That was kind of, you know, you know very depressing, I guess. Catherine, what do you got? Well, to try and go off what Lucas and Austin are saying, uh, that I did some a little bit of research. Similar to Austin, I couldn't watch much of it, uh, a.k.a. only in highlights. But um, I looked up the heat map on the Spurs website, and it's really discouraging because there's no warm colors at all in the Vitesse's 18-yard box, which means our players didn't have any touches in the box, didn't have any possession in the box, didn't have any chances in the box. And I get having our starting 11 and the players who normally are playing in the Premier League to stay at home, but also there needs to be some cohesion with the second squad and the second team. So then it's not like a night and day type of situation. Um, And like I said, it's just kind of discouraging because we've seen that with the starting 11 in the Premier League where, and I know we'll get to the West Ham match and, and the really downtrodden game that was, but we just don't have much of an, an attack like Lucas said. And 
And I know that also, Luke, you said that it's not the end of the world, but you'd much rather have the players get up for a game like that, where uh, if it is the the audition, you might as well just go balls to the wall and like show up and, and show Nuno and and anybody else who's watching what you have and what talent you have. So, Lucas. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you on that one, Catherine, because the, the thing that I found most disappointing wasn't the result. Like I said, at the end of the day, like we're still fine and we're still in a pole position if we want to go win this or get out of this group in advance. Um, so that's not the end of the world for me. Uh, the part that I was most disappointed about was, like you were saying, there's just I would have been a lot happier even if we lost 4-0 if there was like if at the end of it I could say, well, you know, at least La Celso looked amazing and he looks like he really wants to make a case for that 11 or like at least Delhi looked a fantastic today or what what a great bit of defense we had out of Sanchez or like Sanchez really stepped up like a leader or if if there were anything individual wise that I could look from that game and take I would be so much happier regardless of the result and unfortunately you just didn't see it it just seemed very it seemed like a very lackluster performance from a lot of guys that I really 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 wanted to see come out with a fire lit under their ass and have them go try and make a case for a spot well, and and I know that we've spoken about this before in the past, not just us who's on who are on the pod right now, but just on the podcast in general. That there is something permeating through the club that it doesn't just doesn't seem like anybody is excited or encouraged to play and play to their best, or really just kind of have some sort of creative outlet where they just seem to be playing within their little box that they're around and. And that they can't get out and they can't like Delhi, like you were mentioning Delhi or, or Lo Celso, like we've seen Lo Celso play really well for Argentina. And yet he comes back and, and I know I, I was listening to Fighting Cock earlier and and I know that he plays in a different formation and a different system with Argentina. But that doesn't negate the fact that he doesn't look like the same player. And so when it is a, a match against Vitesse, Granted, it is it is a way, but you'd think that we would see somebody like Delhi just be like a highlight on the pitch and a highlight in the highlights, but that doesn't that didn't happen. Kevin, you brought up an interesting point where it seemed like a lot of people didn't weren't ready to take the game on and you know show their work because like. I'm looking at the lineup, like, for example, like, Galini, uh, Heal, like, they're both new, and LaCelso, like how you said, like, I think a lot of it with him not playing great for Spurs is a system issue. From what I read, like, Argentina plays more like a uh, give-and-go type thing, quick, rapid passes. For us, it's, we hold on to the ball a little bit more, um, but the other issue, I think, is in ter- like we have this is a bit of a melting pot in terms of experience like Deli Ali is probably the most experienced player in, in a Spurs shirt Bergwijn he's coming off of injury Dean Scarlett he is the he's the fish out of water what 17 years old doesn't know any better but he has a lot of potential so from what I've seen I think the biggest issues there's no on the field for that game is there's not any true leadership uh, where it, like somebody could rally around or motivate or even coach, but I 
I mean, unfortunately, I mean, I, I wouldn't agree with you fully on that just because Davis has is a captain and has been before. Uh, let's see, Dallas and Lacelso is even though I know you're talking about more in a third shirt, but these are international players and they no, should act I, like it. Yes, I don't disagree. With, like, yeah, Davis, Deliali, they they've been captains, but. Like Deli Ali was captain before because it was he was playing they were playing at MK Dons. Davis, I feel like he was captain for some matches just because he was the most senior player in the lineup. So it's not who gets the armband, it's also the state of mind. Who has that leadership qualities? Um, Austin? Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. You're talking like leadership qualities, and that's I, I mean, we have to agree with you because the match kind of speaks for itself. But at the same time, along with that, I like aside from being told, you know, what to do, looking at this roster, there's eight internationals on it, and I, I believe I heard that as well that there's eight internationals built up of this roster. It, they shouldn't have to be, you know, like drug along by the bootstraps to get up for a game. That's you know, like, even though it's part of the Mickey Mouse Cup, that's fine. But they still it's, you shouldn't have to be like when you're when you play at that high of a level like there and that that's the part that you know just kind of really ties it all together that you know just all for everything that it wasn't in this match it's like from the individuals it should have like i mean their expectations have to be higher and ours have to be higher oh definitely i and like even looking at i mean i don't know much about the test like they're kind of i would say second tier compared to you know ix Feyenoord, psv um, in the Eredivisie, but like on paper, this team, even with Scarlet, like Scarlet would, I would say is probably the wild card just because of his youth, even though he's shown promise in theory, they should have at least been able to make it more competitive um, regardless of the stats or the scoreline. But um, the test on the weekend got beat by go ahead Eagles. I mean, I'm like I was sent, you know, sent around by Nate. I mean, the, they lost two to one on the weekend to the team that's called the go ahead Eagles. And I'm not even making that up. So the fact that we lost to these guys. Well, that's, that's, actually go ahead Eagle. I mean, I don't think they were great, but they've actually brought up a lot of Dutch internationals. So like, I think like I'm Mark not. Overmars was a big one and some other players. So like that, I'm going to, you can't be defending go ahead Eagles here. That's oh, I'm not. Far beyond I'm just, the I'm, point. Like, I'm not saying ridiculous. They're, they're no scrub team, though, and Catherine gave me the finger. I don't know why, but um, Catherine they are said herself. They're an absolute scrub team. Vitesse is a scrub because team that we should be beating. <laughs> it's like, this is, this is a team that we, I don't care with, like, the 11 rotation or whatever. Like, we have to be at least getting a goal or looking like we can score on some of these teams. We, we weren't even dangerous. Right. No, that's, and that's the point. To be fair, it, it though, it wasn't as if it just didn't go our way, but we had a, we, we don't have an identity anymore, and it's to it, be fair. That's the part Scarlet that, Scarlet should have had a penalty called on him. Yeah, like oh, they, the one, they, oh, they literally yeah, ripped his shirt apart. <laughs> Not literally, but they was that like early on in the game. I feel like I remember seeing that. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I didn't. I don't Hill have had, the time. Hill had one on but... them that. I think it was Hill had one that should have been a penalty for them too, or at least a. It was a dangerous move, but yeah, it's it's just this this game on Thursday was just um. It was very much like we've seen with these uh with our rotated guys like that that they just 
I think Bergvine and uh, LaCelso had a nice, uh, a couple of nice runs. And, but I mean, other than that, that's something we should be seeing every time they get the ball. We shouldn't be saying, oh, they had a couple of nice runs as if that's like the only positive from that day. It's like, we should be saying that every time LaCelso gets the ball, oh, that was a good run there. That I mean, should be the just, bare minimum, or like for him, it should be the bare minimum. Yeah, it's, it was, you expect a it certain degree pretty. of excellence from him. Or at least I do. Because I think he actually has the talent. It's just, um, who knows. Um, since three of us didn't watch, or I, I guess all of us didn't watch the game in full, three of us didn't watch it, or barely watched it, barring highlights or bits and pieces. Anybody have any final thoughts? I, no, I think, I, I, we can, I, I think we can skip the MVP, LVP. Um, I watched about 70, 75 minutes of it and was just like, I think my LVP was Winks. Um, I think he was just absolutely useless. And it was a very, it was a Winksy performance that is what we've kind of come to expect from him. Um, but I think, and I didn't really see anyone. I think maybe Galini could get a shout. He had a couple of nice saves, but there's really nothing that, um, there was no one that I saw that would warrant being an MVP of any sort. Fair enough, because I was going to say I'm abstaining from voting. Um, Catherine or Austin, did either of you have anything or, okay, I'm going to take that as a no. I'll say. Let's go to West Ham. Okay. So unfortunately for West Ham, um, I do have some things I want to leave. We did lose one nil. It was a defend or a header off of a corner by Antonio. Um, Lucas and I actually argued about it on the way home. I was wondering why in God's green earth, Harry Kane was marking him. Um, we can talk about that in a little bit. I uh, would have figured Romero or Dyer should have been more suited for that personally. Um, uh, hold on, I got. Sorry, I got some reply or uh, I got a question um, that I kind of want to lead into, and then we can kind of talk about the rest. Um, but our good friend Peter, friend of the podcast, uh, frequent uh, patron of the Atlantic, said uh, West. Was the fourth Derby defeat of the season. So, for those who don't remember, uh, Chelsea, uh, Crystal Palace, Arsenal, and West Ham was the fourth. Um, it was the fourth Derby defeat of the season, unbearable if you did still live in London. Over the years, we've rightly reveled in the un or unifying hatred of those club for those hatred the clubs have for us. But how many cup final fixtures can we play each season before it takes a toll? What's next for fuck's sakes? A resurgent QPR. So, I mean, I think Luke's and all, Lucas also brought this up yesterday. The aggregate score of those four games, 10 to 1. We're getting killed by these London teams. I'm like, one would think if it was any of these games, they would, sh- would have showed up for them. But uh, yesterday, I mean, I don't think we played that badly. I don't think we deserve to lose, per se. I think a tie would have been more fair. I know I'm saying this with a degree of bias. But um, who wants to kind of kick off the review plus answer Peter's question? Oh, Lucas, go ahead. Yeah, um, the 10-1 point is something that is the, probably the biggest thing for me because it, it, it it's always embarrassing when your rival's able to get one over on you, and it always hurts. There's no fun way to lose a derby, but um, it's not as bad if it's a – 
well-fought game or something and you just don't come out on top but we're getting absolutely thumped by these teams and three of the four of those losses were absolute embarrassments and this last one was still just not good enough um again we didn't have a shot in the second half a shot it's and i think that's the third time that's happened this year where we've had no shots in the second half and it's just i I don't know what to say i think it's a big nuno thing um i don't know I, i think it is a big nuno thing but i think a lot of it has to come down to the players um I just don't think I think we've lost our our attacking identity and I think we've lost a lot there's a lot for these derbies to kind of towards Peter's question you should be getting up extra for these games and we seem like we're taking our foot off the pedal for these games so we look much more up for it to go play against Newcastle than we did against West or against West Ham and that's just a massive problem for me that I don't I don't know if it's a psychology thing with our guys but I I don't get how we have our players aren't getting up for derbies. I think you should always have a certain level that you're putting out there, but you should be getting something extra in the tank for these games. And we're not. To go off what you said, Lucas, um, Opta Joe on Twitter had uh, a tweet yesterday that said Spurs didn't attempt a single shot during the second half. It's the third time they've failed to record a shot in the second half of a Premier League match since the start of last season, the most of any side, doled. And so just like you said, it's been a very rough time to watch our attack because that the identity of it, like gone are the days that Christian Eriksen has a beautiful assist to Delhi, who then trails away and celebrates in front of the Chelsea fans. Um, like, I don't, I don't understand where that went. I mean, I do just because we don't have those players anymore or anything, but um, I'll stop talking. So then Tommy can talk. Yeah. So I'm glad you, Catherine and Lucas brought up the whole shot issue. So um, Joe was actually supposed to host today, but due to some issues with his house, um, there was a storm yesterday, so he couldn't be on. I hope everything is well though. Um, He did prep and he did provide a screenshot. As of, Today, I guess, um, Spurs are 19th in terms of total shots in the Premier League. We have 94 shots. Um, Norwich is the only one below us with 89. That, I'm not horribly surprised just because, A, they're a yo-yo team. They're, they're not going to reload if they're going to get to the Premier League or once, once they do or as well. And Watford's above us with 96. I mean, I don't know. It's a bit embarrassing because, like, I knew – I think we all can agree on that there is a state of transition, but even after the first three games, we kind of knew it wasn't going to last forever being on top, but this, the, the lethargic play, I guess, it's just been, it's been appalling and not great compared to what Spurs fans like. So I think Lucas, Catherine and I were probably the longest or We've been seasoned veterans in terms of fandom. Uh, Austin, I, I mean, I think he's been a fan for, what, six, seven years, give or take. So, I mean, he hasn't been accustomed to Pochettino. So, I mean, this is kind of a a little bit of a shock, to say the least. But, Austin, what do you have to say? Yeah, and it's, yeah, I was coming up on, I guess, nine years-ish in well, when I was in college. So, but, yeah, I mean, I was going to piggyback off of what, you know, Lucas and Catherine kind of went into, you know, 
with the no shots in the second half, you I mean if for say what you will, I mean brought up Pochettino, we would you know we might not always put a whole game together, but at least we would have that. We'd either start electric or we'd come out of the half and we would have you know elect, some electricity, some some kind of fire underneath us where we'd at least show up for at least a half, right? And then you could argue the same thing under Jose. I mean, was, we might have some dull first halves, but at least for the second half, we'd be up for it. I mean, here we're like not even getting anything, right? I mean, it wasn't like the first half we were blowing the doors off of them with chances, and then we just regressed. I mean, it was just kind of went from you know bad to worse really into the second half. And it, you know, talking about identity, Lucas, and I mean, you touched on a good point that we don't have it anymore. And you know, you talked about transition from Pochettino to you know even before that to where we are now, and it's. I mean, this kind of starts back to where the whole coaching search as a whole, like this whole season has just had a cloud over it the entire time, you know, between this, the way the coaching search went down, where it was just, I mean, a calamity of, you know, who to go after and then no, never mind, we're pulling the rug on that. Now we're going to bring in, you know, a director of football, never mind this, you know, Fonseca's out. So, I mean, just all over the board there, then with the whole Kane saga leading into it. I mean, there's just been so much like unrest and so many question marks and all that. I mean, that really comes down to where you do need a strong, you know, strong leader, somebody where the, you know, where a manager that's going to step up and get him going in the dressing room. And, and Nuno's just not that guy. I mean, I don't know what we thought we were going to get, but I don't think that he's necessarily delivered anything than what we different than what we expected. But it's not what we need. And it's and I think the results are clearly showing for themselves. I'm with you. And I think that it. I've been trying to be really patient with um, trying not to freak out and say, oh, Nuno's got to go because I know it's early, but um it's very evident that he's not getting the most out of these players um, from a mentality standpoint. Um, I think one of the things we've seen uh, even yesterday, you could say with the example of um, I I would like to say West Ham is a good side. So I I don't want to say that I, I didn't expect us to come out and thrash them and boss the game like we did against Newcastle, but West Ham's a good side, but to a man, we're a better side. Like Harry Kane is better than their striker. Like Kyungmin Son is better than their best attack. Like, so we have we are better than this team to a man, but we are not playing like a team. This is also a team that's been playing together. West Ham has been playing under a system together for a lot longer, but to a man mentally, we don't seem to know what we're supposed to do. Yesterday, the only two guys that would drive the ball forward were Lucas Mora and Romero, a fucking center back. The only guys that would get the ball and drive it into space which is something you're taught like in, in kindergarten level of football is get the ball off your feet and drive it into space. We get the ball and I've never seen it. I watched probably five or six different Premier League games this weekend. And you watch how every one of these teams plays, but us, like every team, even the shit ones, even Norwich got the ball and was like, if you didn't know what to do with it, you got it off your feet. We are, we are so slow with the ball. It just, no one knows where they're supposed to like, where they're supposed to go. They just get the ball stand there for three seconds and then pass it back to whoever gave it to you. So it's like, it's something, it's not a talent issue. It's not a skill issue. It's something that is a mentality issue that's not being addressed. And that's where we need your manager. Your manager needs to be the one that's getting in there and getting the most out of this talented group. Because these are good players. It's just, I don't get how they're, they're instinctually, like I said, Lucas Moore, week in and week out is the only one that gets the ball and instinctually has a attacking players mindset that's actually well i want to add some insult to injury um thank you again joe for posting this um but he got a screenshot um about uh liverpool winger uh, Mohamed salah against or and spurs 
comparing stats. This is actually very depressing. Um, <clears throat> Spurs and Slaw both have nine games. Slaw has ten goals. Spurs have nine. Um, he scored three goal, three plus goals uh, in a game, presumably. Um, and then shot conversion, he has twenty-seven. Spurs, a depressing seven. And then minutes per goals, Slaw has fifty-nine. We have ninety minutes per goal. So. But Austin, go ahead. I can even add a little bit more to that. Even though that we've scored more than three goals in this season, we've never had an expected goals of higher than two goals. It's, I think it was like the highest we had was like a 1.7 and change. So even though we've scored three, we've never actually had an expected goal higher than two goals in any point in the season or for any game in the season either. So it's bad. Sorry, I'll be quick. And then I'll get, get to you, Catherine. I was on mute. Um, the ish, other issue is, like, how you guys were talking before about, like, Nuno, yeah, he's not the guy. Like, I'm like, he knew the hand that he was dealt with, and I, I do feel a little bit of sympathy for him, but I'm like, I can't help but imagine what would happen if, like, we got, like, Conte, for example, because you know after the first loss against Chelsea in the four derbies, like, he would be riding their ass and lighting the fire up a bit, up it, and it's just... I know there's different coaching styles and whatnot, but it's just, of course, with Spurs, it feels like there's always a what if. But also and any, anybody else would be going apeshit like after these results. Kind of getting back, sorry, going long full circle to the question here about the, the North London Derby. It's like, it has to be better. Like, I couldn't imagine, you know, losing to a, a, one rival, let alone all three in the fashion we have. You know, three goals to Crystal Palace three to Chelsea at our place, three away in Arsenal, even though we got one. You know what I mean? That's just, you can't have it. Like, you really genuinely can't. And, yeah. yeah it, and from a body, like, we don't know what's going on in his head, of course, but anytime I look at him after a goal, it's just like, he's very stoic, and he's not showing his hand. I'm just like, at least show you're mad, because this is, I mean, like I said before, fans believe this is unacceptable. Like, what we've seen and what we've, Played before the, we, what we know, what the players are capable of, it's pretty much unacceptable. Uh, Lucas, what do you have? Well, I I think one of the, I think one of the things too is, um, like you said, with the emotion. I I don't want to say, I don't want to try and dig too far into like the psychology or whatnot. Like I mean, because some people just don't express body language the way the fans might want them to, but. Um, I think, but if you look at the play and like I brought up the, the attacking thing, I'm like, I don't think we, I don't think we've looked anywhere near threatening if it wasn't some kind of counterattacking situation. When we have the ball and the other team's able to set up and keep a shape and have, especially once they scored yesterday, I think it was, they just sat with five at the back, two holding, and we had nothing. We had no ideas. But it's like if we're not in a counterattacking situation, we don't even – like we're not even remotely resembling anything threatening. So I just – we have to find a way to – Nuno has to find a way to get these guys playing in some kind of – again, like they just have to – there has to be some kind of identity that they're able to find attacking-wise, and we haven't seen it under Nuno. And I think the disappointing thing is that we – we're all kind of expecting that when we got Nuno. I know he was no one's first choice, but 
we all said with Nuno when he came in, like, oh, all right, well, at least we'll be able to see some free-flowing, high, like, high press, high intensity, high-flying football and seeing goals flying around. And we just, we've, it's been, this is like Jose at his worst. Like, this is, I, it's, it's just brutal. Can I just make a reiteration of what the three of you have been saying in that Go nuts. We, we lost to Vitesse away and none of the starting 11 were there in the Netherlands. And yet it's an indictment on pretty much anybody who works at Tottenham, whether it's the manager, the managerial staff who coaches alongside Nuno, the style that Nuno plays with, kind of like what Lucas touched on right then, where it's a generational effect from Jose, just because he is kind of like a Jose Jr. Um, but then also the players and their mindset and their fitness and their kind of like what I was saying earlier, their channels of creativity and going, going forward and knowing that they have the freedom to move and, and to be, I don't know, just little shits on the field. And just the atmosphere, and and I know, Lucas, you said that you can't judge the body language, but a lot of times it just doesn't seem like, communication is 90% nonverbal, and so you can kind of see what's happening on the pitch, even through their body language, and it just doesn't seem like anything's fitting, Um, but then also, if nothing's fitting, whether it's the style on the pitch or how Nuno is having the formation or the players change it. And, and I'm not saying change the the manager, just that's a whole Pandora's box anyways, but um, he waited until the 84th minute to make two substitutions and then the 91st to make another one. And if you're losing in a London Derby against West Ham, who always show up for the Spurs matches, do something before six minutes before the end of the game. And I, I understand that there's a lot of variables and that you can't pinpoint the situation on one thing, but just there needs to be something done. I don't know what my, my solution is, but I'm just calling it like this in, in that way that there's there needs to be something done well, Lucas, go ahead no I, I actually had written uh i'd written a note to actually bring that up so i'm glad Catherine talked about that that was something that i thought was really strange too and i know especially we as fans like when we argue subs that's always one that's we get the luxury of hindsight and get to sit there and be like oh well this is what i would have done but we're not we all want to think we're the manager but one thing that i always say is what it like what seems like uh like making a change what about what was happening would motivate you to not make a change if that makes any sense so as the game's progressing if it's that 70th minute and West Ham scores and they get one on us and it's completely against the run of play and we've been bossing them and we've been getting chances but they're just not going in and it doesn't seem like it's our day then i understand not making a sub because everything is going the way you want it to but what about that what about that last 30 minutes before the West Ham goal had you saying, no, oh, this is good. This is working. Like I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing right now. And then afterwards for another 15 minutes, like you would think that we were up by four 
I, we just no, there was no immediate backlash of, oh crap, we got to start hustling and get this ball in the net, or we got to start trying some new ideas. Let's see if we can get somebody to make a run off the ball for fuck's sake, anything run at somebody. There was nothing that changed. It was just another, okay, they got a goal. So now let's just methodically go back to what we've been doing, which is a bunch of nonsense. And as the manager, if that's the way they're going to be playing out there, like you have to change something, put on Bergvine to run around and make runs or, or, or put on the Celso or, or just, you have to make some kind of change. And that's why I'm like, what about what was happening out there looked good to him. That's where I'm kind of lost. Cause even if he makes the change and it's not the right move or something, it's like, show me that you're at least like, I just, it made me think like, what is he, is he watching the same game that we're all watching? Like it, it was really, really odd. So I, I didn't get why he waited. And I've never been a big fan of the, the, the 91st minute to bring out Bergvine. Like what the fuck was he going to do? You know, if anything, you just wasted a minute because we only got three in extra time. So it's like, I just, I didn't see, that was really, really strange from Nuno yesterday. I did, he looked like he was kind of a deer in headlights when they scored. Austin, what do you got? Well, everybody only everybody knows that it only works on when it's Olivier Giroud coming on that late, and then he always gets the header goal, but otherwise <laughs> nobody can do anything with that. Uh. But, no, I, I agree with you, but that's where it kind of ties together with, you know, it's all right, so what is, you know, to answer, to kind of re- rebuttal on you, like, so based off of what we saw Thursday out of, you know, the people that he does have it and his build that, that Nuno has it to bring on, who out of that pool was going to bring on and, you know, bring that jolt of life to the attack? You know what I mean? There's, it's where it's kind of like, a, I don't know really what the, you know, where the problem lies. Is it in Nuno's ideas and which, you know, potentially, or is it just with what, you know, what the team is really going to put out for him at his, you know, at his disposal? You know, because we haven't seen the best Harry Kane. You know, we haven't seen, you know, we haven't seen much out of the guys that are starting 11. So, you know, what, what exciting piece, you know, what, you know, you you know, there's just, it's just not there. It's just not there. So, you know, there's not really that option where there's like, where there's the answer staring us in the face of who he should have brought on. I agree with you. It should have been sooner, but, you know, he brought on, I guess, you know, I would, I would say the right pieces, right? He brought on Heal and he brought on GLC. So, you know. Maybe Stevie B, you know, early, but it's like what what from his performance Thursday made us think that in this game he's going to have a difference. You know what I mean? So I kind of get both sides of the coin where he's kind of in a shit spot, but also he's not doing us any favors either. Lucas, what do you got? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, I just think that you're you're absolutely right. It's it's not as if any of those guys on Thursday made the case that like I'm the go-to guy that you can count on in that tight moment. But um, my hope would be that just even by interjecting something different into the game, it would maybe light some kind of fire. But I, I just it, we we continue to get burned on a little bit, of like just kind of rotating a little bit here. Like we continue to get burned on a lot of stuff that we just aren't like set pieces, for example. Like every time it's like when we have a corner, there's not a part in my mind that thinks it's actually going to result in a goal. But yet when it's the other team's corner, I'm like, there's a 50-50 shot this fucking thing goes in. Because it's just how we continue to get beaten and burned by the same things week in and week out that aren't being addressed. And I would hope that, I would hope that even, I mean, yesterday I had no problem with Kane being the one actually on Antonio. Um, I think he's probably our, like, Antonio's a fucking tank. He's a unit. 
So, I mean, Kane's probably our strongest, most physical player, especially in the air. So I, and he's and Kane's shown time and time again that he's terrific in the air. Would you not say dire? I, I would say my first again, choice got dire. I would say, I, I honestly, like, I would say, yeah, maybe dire, but after the, I'm like, he's also shown that he can put it in. So I'm like, it's, it's not like Dyer's been a stonewall back there for us, but yeah, Dyer came and like, I just, I, I'm at the point where I'm like, what the hell are we working on in training if we're not addressing some of these issues? But yeah, there's just, there was a lot about that. I am I'm, I'm think overall with Tommy, I agree. I think we probably deserved something along the lines of a draw yesterday. I think the losses doesn't totally reflect how that game went. Um, but I think, yeah, from a, there's just not, there's just too many things that went wrong that um, I was really hoping that we would have had ironed out by now. I want to transition into another uh, question from our good friend Shubes. Um, so what it is, is that <clears throat> it's kind of a talk or it's kind of reflecting like we've kind of been somewhat negative about the results, the way we played. So Shub said uh, a mate who has been to almost every away game for past 15 years couldn't be bothered to go to the taxpayers as our football is even more meh than it was under George Graham. Is supporter apathy something that worries you while you have been following Sir Spurs since Lasagna Gate? Many newer United States fans began their follow of us since or from the first Champions League run, a.k.a. 2010. And he put the uh, Lauren Cooper gif of "Am I bothered?" So, I I think for us we're, we're definitely there's no apathy from us. But I mean, what do you think about others? Because I think we kind of had a spirited conversation of whether it be managerial choice, the way we play, and whatnot. You might want to go first. Well, I think that there, I wouldn't say mm, apathy is a an interesting word to use because there are definitely some days that I'm feeling more and more apathetic because I'm like, Oh, I have to actually get up at five, six, seven AM and watch Spurs, even though I always predict a draw or a win in my mind, I know we're going to lose. Um, and why should I, you know, get up for that and, and watch us capitulate. But that said, I I know that there's always going to be hope. And I almost am envious of people who started following, not when I started following, but more so when people started following after or during the uh, 2016 maybe season when we were, uh, we didn't lose at home. We were just... I mean, we almost won the league and uh, the 2016-17 season. And and um, I'm envious, almost envious of, of those people who started watching then be- because they don't know anything besides um, greatness. Because we had Pochettino and, and we had great players and we had uh, the Champions League run. And, um, and I don't know where I'm going with this, but uh, I... I think apathy is a is a hard word to to use where it's more of just disappointment. And I know I've said this on the podcast in the past few years, but I almost feel like the mom who just looks down at at the kids who are uh, late for dinner or get into like, 
I don't know, some sort of mess and, and you're like, oh, I'm just disappointed. I don't love you any less, but I'm just disappointed. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds like an Asian parent. I'm not mad, but I'm disappointed in you. But Austin, what do you got? Well, it's, I would say it's, I don't know if it's, if it's quite an apathy or not, but it's, I mean, it's just, the, I think the main difference, and I I guess I, you know, being a newer supporter, because I guess that it's about coming up on about, I guess, nine or so years-ish, right? So bail, back in the bail days of 2000, you know, 10, 11, when it was, when I was in it. So it's, it's more than just the sense of direction. I know this is kind of tying back to what Lucas kind of started everything off with, that the identity and, you know, who Spurs are is just the main missing link. And it's not so much that we're the same as we used to be. It's just, I don't quite frankly, I agree 100% with what he said. I don't quite frankly think we have one, period. And that's been the biggest change. And that's where it's, you know, where I think the mindset changes. Whereas before, you know, of course, yeah, we didn't always get the result that we wanted. And sometimes there are, you know, obviously better days than others, especially towards the, you know, that tail end of Potch, how that kind of had a falling out. And then, you know, the whole transition that followed after. But at least during that time period, if there was a run of bad play or what have you, underperformance, whatever it was, at least there was that direction. And then I think that's kind of the start is where, you know, we won't get into the whole, you know, Levy and account, the whole thing. But some of those windows where, you know, obviously it was right during when we're building the stadium. So if that's the cause, then so be it. But where there was just that lack of ambition, that lack of that one move where we resulted, you know, where we chose, you know, where decisions were made, where we went one decision versus another. And those over a period of time just kind of got us to this point where, there's not an easy fix. You know, we're not one piece away anymore. You know, we are, I mean, we have to find, an, we have to replace a world-class striker here at some point in the very, very near future. We can't, you can't go out and buy those, you know, well, you, you can, but they come from us right now. So, you know, we're not going to be the ones, you know, are we going to be in the bidding war? Like, no, like that's not, that's not who we're going to be. So I think that's the biggest difference is that there's just no, it's hard to see, you know, the sunlight, you know, it's obviously darkest before the dawn. Well, we are far from the dawn. It feels like just because there's, we have to get lucky with somebody, you know what I mean? Cause you know, quite frankly, we got lucky with Harry Kane. He fell into our laps and, you know, at the right time that we happened to have these surplus funds from Gareth Bale. So it just was, everything came together into a culmination that allowed us to have this big, you know, these moments of brilliance. And now we're on the other side of that, where we do have these lofty expectations. And I just don't know, quite frankly, you know, how we get to the other side, obviously it's bound to happen. They're going to figure it out. They, they have to, or something has to change, but it's just, that's what I think the biggest difference is that, you know, there's, we're looking forward to windows. It's like, well, you know, what do we need? Well, everything, you know what I mean? Like from the midfield to the attack, you know, I think our defense actually has some younger, you know, bright spots where we might be okay, but there's just so many question marks and so few answers that it's that's the biggest difference I think now versus before. Lucas, yeah. Um, in terms of Shubes' question, I mean, sports like sports fans' apathy is one of the most dangerous things to a club, um, and and that goes across sports all across the board. Um, I know, like you need like instead when you have when your fans are not apathetic and they care that what that does is that demands accountability. So that's really important with um, the fact that you still, you don't want to be, you have to find a pretty, there's a, there's a sweet spot where you want to fall into where you're caring a lot and you demand accountability from your ownership, from your players, from your coaches, but that at the same time, you're also just not a big bunch of twats because then you become Arsenal. Arsenal are people that care about results. That's it. Arsenal could go out and play 90 minutes of brilliant football, give effort, show passion, creativity, and 
they draw 1-1 or something and their fans are fuming because all that matters to them is results. Whereas we have something in our history and the way we've always been that it's a little bit of a sweet spot where we have that passion and we care and we want us to go win, but I can be proud of the way we play. Um, and that's something that I've lost in the last year or so. Um, I'm really not proud watching us play out there right now. But that's not apathy at all from my end because is once you become apathetic, then who's going to be making – who's holding these players accountable? So I think that it is very dangerous. Um, I don't think we're there yet. Um, I remember how it was in, like, the late – like even, like, the late 90s, it was brutal. I mean, there were there, – like, it, it just becomes a piss-up then when you're just kind of, ah, you know what, we're just going to the bar to watch – just have a few beers, hang out, or we're just going to White Hart Lane to get drunk, like, whatever, like – we don't like you need to have um like i talked about that sweet spot there needs to be that passion and energy and demand from the fans um within reason and i don't think we've lost that yet i think we're um but i think for some if we continue to head down this road i could see it um i could see a lot of fans like um becoming upset with the way the brand of football that we're playing it's it's not something that you want to drag out of drag your ass out of bed and i know it's different in the uk um, a lot of american supporters have it real brutal we're lucky in chicago that the earliest we're going to see is a 6 30 kick whereas imagine if you're an american living in san diego or something and you gotta get your ass up at 3 30 to watch this shit like <laughs> that's it's a tough ask so i i think we're not at that total sports fan apathy yet but um i think we're seeing a good response out of the fans at least for demanding change and Hopefully we'll see it. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. I think that might be the end of that segment. Um, before we go to halftime, though, let's do MVP, LVP. Uh, who wants to go first? Okay, Catherine doesn't want to go first. Austin? Uh, sure, I can go first. Um, I would say, let's see. I'd have to go with. Gosh, I'd say MVP. Let's go with uh, let's see Emerson. I think I would go with Emerson for MVP, and then for LVP, I would say don't ballet for me. I would say he just doesn't quite have it back yet. So, or what we're looking for. So, those have to be my two MVP, LVP. Okay, sounds good. Lucas, you had your hand up. Uh, yeah, my MVP um, was actually Romero. Um, I thought Romero was class yesterday. He had one moment where he kind of got bullied off the ball a little bit, but other than that, he was brilliant. And uh, like other than Lucas Mora, he was the only person that was actually driving the ball into space, which um, is a massive problem when it's one of two people as a center back. But he was really, really good yesterday. And I, I can't. I think he's got to be wondering why the hell he chose to come to Spurs because he think he looks like he's miles above where we are right now. Um, but my LVP definitely in Dombele. Um, I just in a game like that where nobody has any ideas and nobody wants to take anybody on and run at somebody or run off the ball, like that's where we need a guy like him to do what he's good at, which are all of those things, and he just doesn't. And um, I was really hoping to see him kind of carry that momentum of the great game he had against Newcastle, and instead he came out, laid an egg, and. That's what happened. Uh, like I think the result highly reflects 
the Indombly effort. So I think I'll go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll say my <laughs> my MVP. Uh, I was in between a few players, um, but I think I'll kind of like what Luke was saying. I'll go with Lucas, um, just because he had at least some. You could tell that he had some sense of responsibility with trying to get forward. Um, and then for my LVP, it's going to be a joint one between Sun and Kane because they're both just horrendous. I, I'm so kind of like what I was saying. I'm disappointed with how the club is and how the team is, but especially those two yesterday against West against West Ham just oh god it, it's frustrating and so those are mine hey, uh Catherine it's a uh, the Lucas Moore shout is really good and you just brought something up I wanted to just quickly jump in on like it's not like Lucas Mora as he, he's not doing like bicycle kicks or like these crazy like things that require crazy uh like skill or technical ability or anything it's literally just running it's like just run at someone how many times does lucas mora create uh free kicks and set pieces like in a threatening area by just running at somebody getting in front of them and they follow it happens like a handful of times a game and it's not like it's he's not he's not required to do these crazy off the ball moves or anything it's literally just get the ball and run at someone so, yeah, I thought Lucas was like a great shout because I'm like, he just continues to be the only person that has that in his head. And it doesn't matter if you're West Ham or Barcelona. Like, he just gets the ball, runs. It's not rocket Sounds science. Good. Yeah, I, I could agree to Lucas more, but I actually picked Romero. Um, I thought he was defensively sound. Um, him going after, I forget who it was, kind of getting to his face. That's kind of the... Uh, like how Josie Mario said, like, we need to be cunts, you know? It's like, we, we, we need to have that little bite to us. And I, I really enjoyed that just because we, I, I haven't seen that a lot lately. So it was very refreshing to see. Um, similar to Catherine for LVP, I did say Harry Kane. Um, and it's not because, like, Lucas said, like, yeah, he might be the best kind of a goal. But I mean, even so, if he is, then there was kind of like a half a second where he kind of blinked and, Unfortunately, the goal went in. But he, but aside from that, I felt like in terms of his offense, he wasn't. He was not involved, and it just wasn't pretty, to say the least. Um, but that's going to wrap up our first half. Halftime, uh, we do have Lucas, Luke's locks. But starting off halftime, we do have Catherine Spurs women update. So take it away. Thanks, Tommy. And hi to everyone. I'm Catherine, and I'm back with the Spurs women segment. The last time I joined you for the Spurs Women Halftime segment was about a month ago, so we have a few matches to go over. Spurs Women are currently in third place with 12 points in the table of 12 teams, having won four and lost one in the Women's Super League. Above Spurs are Chelsea in second, also on 12 points, but with a much better goal differential. And then Arsenal on top with 15 points, having won five of their games so far this season. As far as results and upcoming fixtures go, the last match I left you with, Spurs were about to play Reading, which the women came away victorious on September 26th. 
getting a 1-0 win with forward Jessica Naz getting the lone goal in the 85th minute. Next up in the Super League was a 2-0 win against Leicester on October 3rd. Rachel Williams opened the scoring in the 38th minute off of a bit of a scramble after a corner. And then Angela Addison had a tidy finish after a give-and-go from Ayane and Williams in the 88th to seal up the three points. Then, after those two wins, was an unfortunate 2-1 loss away at Brighton. The only Spurs goal in that match was scored by Kit Graham in the 88th minute. As the Super League has been on international break, there hasn't been too much going on. But soon enough, the Super League will be back in action. And the next match for Spurs is quite a tasty one. Tottenham Hotspur women will play Manchester United at home on Sunday, the 7th of November. The next weekend after that will be a North London derby and hopefully better than the last time as Spurs women played Arsenal when they lost the 5-1 in the Women's FA Cup on September 29th. However, this Super League match, which will be on Saturday, November 13th, will be at the Hive just off the Jubilee Lines Cannon Park Station. So go there if you can. Uh, then, as I'm rounding out the Spurs Women's Super League matches in November, I must mention that the last match in the month is when Tottenham play <clears throat> West Ham on the 21st of November. And hopefully that'll be much better than the men's match. Uh, that's all for me, though, this time. As a reminder, always feel free to message, message me on Twitter at Catherine Rupp for Spurs men or women's questions or just chat. And now to Luke's Locks. All right, team, here are your free four money picks of the week. Let's go make a little bit of scratch. First up, we have Leicester at home to Arsenal. Going to take over two and a half goals in this one. Arsenal's found a bit of form recently and is more than capable of banging a few in. And I fancy Leicester to be able to do the same at home. So over two and a half in the Leicester-Arsenal match. Second up, going to take Chelsea minus one on the road at Newcastle. Um, we've been able to see what Newcastle is the last few weeks. Um, they are ripe for, if we can score three goals on them, imagine what Chelsea can do. Um, so Chelsea being flying should have zero trouble getting a couple goals on them and winning. So take Chelsea minus one away at Newcastle. Uh, this one's going to be a little bit hard for me to read out, but next up, unfortunately, I'm going to go against our beloved Tottenham and going to take Manchester United on the money line. I just, this is literally free money here. Um, Man United is struggling. Ollie's in trouble. And here comes Dr. Tottenham at the exact right time for them. So, of course, of course they happen to be playing us. So, definitely don't see this one going any other way other than United. Uh, so, we happen to be the perfect spot for them. So, take United on this one and the money line at Spurs. Finally, going to take over two and a half goals in the Norwich game at home against Leeds. Uh, Leeds is yet to really get off the mark this season, but this could be a great spot for them. Um, definitely, Norwich is going to have to have some kind of response uh, after getting absolutely thwacked by Chelsea this weekend. Um, so I think this is a spot where you might see a couple goals. So take over two and a half in that one. There are your free four money picks of the week. Let's go get rich, kids. All right. Thank you, Catherine. And thank you, Lucas. Um, so we got the second half right now. Um, first up, we are, we're previewing two matches. First one will be the League Cup, a.k.a. Carabao Cup against Burnley. 
We're going to be playing at Turf Moor in Lancashire. I hope I said that right. Um, it's going to be on Wednesday. Uh, Catherine said I said it correctly. Thank you. Um, so it'll be played on Wednesday, October 27th, uh, two days from now. Um, it'll be at 1.45, local time, 7.45 UK. If you are in the United States, you can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. Um, based off what I saw, it will not be aired in the UK. If you do want to listen, it'll have to be on TalkSport 2. Um, as of right now, Burnley are – well, not – well, if it was the end of the season, they would be knee-deep in relegation because they are currently 18th in the table. Their most recent form, they drew 2-2 against Southampton. Uh, lost 2-0 to Man City, drew a depressing 0-0 to Norwich, drew 2-2 to Leicester, and won 4-1 versus Rochdale. Presumably that was a League Cup, and then lost 1-0 to Arsenal. Um, last time out against Burnley, we did win 4-0 at home. So this will be an interesting lineup. I think we're going to have a more of a stronger lineup compared to the test. I know this is more of a Mickey Mouse competition because it is the League Cup. Um, and we are, as Spurs, in the top six, so to speak. Um, I wouldn't mind, or I wouldn't be surprised if Kane or Son featured, maybe late, depending on how the game is going. Um, but I think more or less the usual suspects will probably be starting or at least feature. Uh, who wants to go first in terms of their thoughts? Lucas, looks like you're okay. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I think. No, I think you're absolutely right that we're going to see um, we're going to see a pretty strong lineup. I'm going to guess, um, especially with our form and the way we've been taking some of these beatdowns in the Premier League. I, I think Nuno's going to want to prioritize these cups, Mickey Mouse or not. I think we'll, um, and hell, I'll take it. Like even if we win the Europa Conference League this year, like it's a step, <laughs> it's a step up in some direction at least that we can say we've won something. Um, and I think. Uh, at this point, if we win this game, we're going to be in the quarterfinals. So um, who knows? Maybe we can get a favorable draw. And that's the thing with the League Cup is that you have these. It's it being smaller. It's it only takes a win or two until you're in, a, and maybe you get any kind of favorable uh, draw, and you can find yourself in the semifinal very easily. Um, so it, it is one of those that you want to take seriously. Um, so I will expect, I definitely expect us to have a strong lineup. I think we'll see Kane and Son and uh, definitely Holy Beer out there. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't expect us to, because again, going up to Burnley is always tough, whether they're on, whether they're in good form or not. Um, so I expect Burnley to be up for it, and I think we'll match it and have a pretty strong lineup out there. And also, I would say based off their current form, this might be the last ditch effort in terms of what they could win. FA Cup, I mean, depends on if they buy anybody in this in January, but it'll be kind of interesting to see uh, who Burnley pick out. I mean, they do have a relatively decent squad. It's just, I don't know what's not clicking because they, I don't think they really sold anybody of note. It's kind of, I mean, it might be kind of what happened is they didn't bring anybody in. They still have the same old squad from, or the same core, at least for the past few years. Anybody else have any other thoughts? Yeah, I was going to say that even though it is Burnley, that the last time we played them in October 2020, or when we did play them in October 2020, even though we had, it was about two-thirds possession that Spurs had, but Burnley had more shots on target and more shots. And they had more tackles. They had more clearances. They 
actually showed up similar to West Ham does. And so there's nothing to be uh, timid about in these situations because also, may I remind you that we lost to Colchester on penalties and that was in the League Cup. And for some reason, we just are terrible (laughs) in cups like this. And... And also, I'm sure Nathan will probably love this because it is Sean Dyche and, and I wish I could get my voice like five octaves lower to say his name. But um, but like they have, a, I don't want to say a strong team, but physically a strong team. And so I don't know. We'll see. Even though they are very poor in the Premier League. You never know if they might also have the same mindset of maybe a Nuno who is saying, oh, let's get up for the, the cup matches, whether it be FA Cup or, or League Cup or whatever, um, or the ECL, um, that you never know what Burnley is going to uh, give to us. Again, I don't know where I was going with that point, but somebody else take it away. Uh, that's right. Awesome. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'll, it would be incredibly. I mean, with the with the current run of form that we're on, I think it would be incredibly naive for us to take anybody lightly, quite frankly. And I, you know, I look back to like last week. I feel like Nuno, if he could do it over again, he would bring at least bring Son and Kane with him on Thursday, whether he used them or not. I think he would bring them. I think this will be no different. I think he not only has to use them, I think he has to start them. You know what I mean? Just because. I don't know what we've shown that leads us to believe that we can just walk through Burnley and have a win, but I don't see that being the case, especially with like Lucas point out this, you know, they do have a shot at making a run at this. I, I, yeah, I, I expect it. I mean, it's, it's quite a, you know, it's kind of an interesting situation for Nuno for being honest, because, you know, knowing what we know about what we, what to expect on Saturday morning, well, local Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon in London, but, or in Manchester rather, but I mean, I can, we kind of know what we're walking into on Saturday. So our squad selection, you know, Wednesday is going to be very, very interesting. But that being said, like I said, I don't think we're in any position to take anybody lightly, nor are we in the form where we can just, you know, just throw anybody out there. So yeah, I think it'll be a very, very interesting squad selection. I think, you know, it has to be very careful. It could be very wrong. Yeah. I think, um, and also another factor that should be noted, um, I don't even remember the other games that we have, but we do have the international break coming up in about two weeks. So it might be actually more useful for Nuno to actually play more of a power lineup, get the players or use them up and then let them go on international duty. But, um, sorry, Austin, go ahead. Well, I was just going to give us a rundown. So we have Wednesday at Burnley or at home versus Burnley, then Saturday, obviously in Manchester. The next Thursday, we have our second, our home leg versus Pitace, or however you say their name. And then Sunday, uh, the 7th, at, against Everton. And so then after that, we do have the international break in between. Okay. Well, I'm ho- hoping that Spurs don't allow as many players to go on international break because of the whole quarantine debacle that we had last time. Well, it sounds like... We're if that's still members. in place. Yeah, well, I could have sworn Argentina and Brazil were okay um, because Romero and Royal, they didn't have to quarantine for those 10 days or whatever. Um, Sanchez for Colombia, I think I'm not sure on the status of that. So we'll, that remains to be seen. Um, 
The other random interesting note, um, only because my friend James, Burnley fan, he's actually given me grief about in the past. I do remember we played Burnley twice in the semifinals. Of course, this is the quarterfinals, but um, we beat them both times to advance to the finals. So I know history doesn't have it doesn't really mean anything, but if it did, we do have it on our side. Um, since this is, we got a lot to talk about Man City. Anybody have any final thoughts before we head over to predictions? Catherine, I can't read your lips. Sorry. Just that we're playing Manchester United, not Manchester City. Oh, I said Manchester City. Okay. Touche. Okay. So anybody want to go first? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think we'll, I think we're going to win 2 1. Um, I'll say we win 2 1 on Wednesday, and goals are Kane and Bergvine. Ooh, okay. Steve finally gets back in there. Oh, I would love that to happen. We can definitely, Stevie. We can definitely use a the additional firepower to ease off the pressure of and minutes of Lucas and uh, Son. So that would definitely help. Um, I like I like that though, but um, I think I'm going because I'm okay. off mute. Because before um, we lost, I was like, oh, I'll let we go last, but go ahead. No, because it's not MVP, LVP, where I have to think about their oh, performances. Okay. I can just kind of say a names, say sure. a name or, or names. Um, I think even though I was kind of against us playing well against Burnley, since I said that they had more shots and shots on goal last time when we played them in October 2020, um, I do still believe that we will win. I'll go... Three one, three two. I'll go three two, and I think the goal scorers will be. I'm going to go with Lucas's pick of Stevie B as well, but I think that uh, Lacelso will get in, and we'll have a deli goal as well. Okay, sounds good. Um, Austin, I'll let you go last because. Catherine partially stole my thunder. Um, I'm going to do the British John special of 2-1, but I did say Sun. And LaSalle usually shines in the weaker competitions just because of the lack of talent or the lack of quality of teams. So I'd like to think that, he'll, A, he'll either come on, start, but then he'll score a goal. Uh, Austin, what do you have to predict? Yeah, I, part of me wants to – well, let me ask this before. Do we know what happens in this round if it's a draw? It's not in that way. Uh, right? It goes to penalties. Does it go to pens? Yeah, same, yeah, as, yeah, same as Wolves. It'll just go straight no to There's no extra time or anything like that. Okay, well, then I'm going to go a 1-1 one, one through by way of Sun, and then we advance on pens. Okay, sounds like a fun time. Okay, so that wraps up. Burnley. Now we're going to go jump jump right into Manchester United. We're going to play at home at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium Saturday, October 30th, the day before Halloween. For those who don't know, Halloween is the day you can dress up like a slut and get away with it. Um, if you don't know what time it is... We do not look. slut shame here. Oh, that was actually a movie quote. But... Um, but yes, that that is also true. Not um, everyone knows that. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan is disappointed in that. Then, um, 
Okay, so uh, we're playing at 11.30. We've got the late game. Uh, UK time, 5.30. We will be playing on NBC for the first time this year, if memory serves me correct. And if you're in the UK, you're going to be playing on, or you can watch on Sky Sports Main Event or Sky Sports Premier League. Um, as of right now, Manchester United are seventh in the table. I would like to think that it's not an indicator of their talent, even though I do not like them, and I do want Lindelof to do well. But their current form, they did lose to uh, 5-0 yesterday to Liverpool, that was, which was very embarrassing. Uh, beat Atalanta, which was formerly Romero and Galini's club, 3-2. to Lost 4-2 to Leicester. Drew 1-1 to Everton, one 2-1 versus Villarreal and lost 1-0 to Aston Villa. Last time out when we played Manchester United last season, we did lose at home 3-1. Um, two other things I want to say before I let you guys take it over. Um, Luke Lucas did say it is free money. I would like to think otherwise. But this did bring up an interesting comment from our good friend Kyle Mates from Indianapolis. He did say loser, uh, whether it be Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or Nuno, is going to be out. Is that even I, – I don't think if, if Nuno – or Spurs lost, I don't think Nuno would leave. But Solskjaer, I think that might be – that's a higher probability just because of the current run of games. And I did say if, if, they would go for Conte. If we can get it arranged that this somehow becomes a loser leaves town match, I say we do it. <laughs> we talk to Manchester United. We get it somehow on the books that loser leaves town, and then so be it. May the chips fall with me. <laughs> keeping it old school with a wrestling match like that. Move on to another territory. Um, Lucas, go ahead. No, I think um, there's a definite shout. I don't think Nuno would go even. Um, just, again, I, who are we going to replace him with? Mason again? Like, I, there's just there's... – that's At my question whenever like, somebody brings it up. Yeah, there's I know, just nothing. Yeah. And I know it's going to take a proper search. Yeah, there's, I don't think Rick would Yeah, I mean, Rick would, you know, at least Rick would have a heart attack. Rick would, but, yeah. No, but, yeah, can't do that to Rick. Um, <laughs> I, I think it is likely, though, um, with with Ollie, because you look at, like, the upcoming UN United schedule, too. It's like they have us, and then it's – uh, at Atlanta, then it's against Man City, and then they get a nice little Watford game in there. But then it's at Villarreal and at Chelsea, um, and then uh, versus Arsenal. Like that's all in a row. So Ali's got to get that ship turned around now, otherwise he's not going to make it through November. But um, I'm actually kind of like the longer he stays, the happier I am because I, I just don't see them doing anything with like, winning anything with him. But like I said, in my Luke's locks, I think this is such a dangerous spot for us because it just always happens to line up this way where it's just any team that's struggling just happens to get us at that time. And it's like we just we just give them that bit of injection that they need um, that they can turn around and write their ship. But who knows? I know um, – I definitely think like uh, Pogba can't play, right? Because he got the red yesterday, so that'll be that'll be a little bit handy. So who oh, knows? Maybe that. yeah, maybe we'll have uh, maybe we'll have some weird resurgence, and we'll be up for it this time. But the way we've been playing, I don't have the highest hopes and highest expectations for this one. 
it is always interesting, Lucas, like what you were just saying, that every team that we play always ends up having this uh, this resurgence of like, oh, we're going to play incredibly it's well, even though we've been shit for the past yeah. few weeks or past few matches or or and slash or their goalkeeper has an absolute world class game a la Tim Cruel. Or, the, or you get a new ownership just happens to happen, right? <laughs> like, the new ownership just happens to be right before you play Spurs. Or you sack your coach right before, like, Klopp, like, first game in is against Spurs. There's always some kind of weird resurgence mm-hmm. for these teams right at the moment that they need it most, and it happens to be fucking us every but also, time. I, it's interesting because I have seen the whole, like, oh, we're going to sack the manager. And I know that, Austin, you made that joke too, but, um, but they're – squad depth is actually a little crazy because they have uh De Gea, they have Maguire, Ronaldo, Rashford, uh Greenwood, Fernandez. I know that everyone is like, oh what is it? Pen Panad I don't know what they say, but it's that Twitter joke of him getting all the penalties. But um oh. They have Lingard, Matic, uh, Pogba, even though I know he's he's out, uh, Van de Beek, Cavani, Sancho. Like, they have so many amazing players, albeit they don't often play as one team. Um, but then also we've seen that, like what we were just talking about, we don't have an identity. So it's kind of like this match of no identity teams coming up. So we'll see how that goes. It's it's kind of funny that, like, well, because normally, I, I mean, I can't disagree with anything you said because it's been absolutely dead on about, like, how, like, the lining up of everything. And then, like, just you were thinking the exact same thing I was, Catherine, that, I mean, they're squads. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, in times like this, it's so easy to think, which I agree, that it's so simple to think there's their town alone is just going to roll in there and be like, all right, enough of this shit. We just got embarrassed, you know, get out of the way regardless of who it is. And it just happens to be us. And then part of the reason that I, I mean, I'm just to turn the other foot of that, I could also see it just as easily as us displaying right into our hands of, you know, we don't have an identity, but what can we do? We can counterattack with the best of them. And so I think we're just going to buckle up and then, you know, hopefully get one or two because they are trying to just come at us. And, you know what I mean? So I could see, I could easily see it going one, you know, us just getting absolutely buried and embarrassed. And I can see that happening very quickly or vice versa, where it just kind of happens to play into the one thing that we can do by default, right? We don't have to try to counterattack you. You know, if you, today, if you made us go, you know, press up the field, we might struggle with that or try and go through the midfield. We actually currently do struggle with that, but, you know, playing right into our hands is something that and for a disjointed club, we may be able to get them out of sorts just enough where all of that talent that Catherine just ran down actually plays right into our hands and we can steal one from them here. I would gladly welcome that and love it. I, it's weird that, like, I don't know, I feel like with Spurs recently, it's like anytime they disappoint me, eventually somehow they wow me with some rant against some, like, really good team, whether it be, like, Manchester City opening day. I mean, we kind of grinded through it with the one-no win, but, like, even so, or, like, even, like, years ago, we were down one-no against Man City, and we scored three goals in seven minutes. You know, it's... It, I would like to think that we're due for it. It's just my confidence in the team is just not high right now. So 
this this to me strikes me as a match is where it's either going to be one or the other. Like I mean, it's I I see it either going you know in a brilliant you know in a brilliant flash if we just play the, you know the perfect game for them where they play into our hand we weather the storm and get them, or the total opposite where it's just a constant onslaught we have no answers, and you know it's one of those type of days and it's it's very worrisome that it's it's going to I feel like it's going to be either one end of the spectrum, and yeah, it's I'd, not going to be. See, like and I'm. I'm more worried about their offense. Like, I think that on our day, our, even though, like what we've all been saying, there's not much of an identity, there's not much going forward, we can't really, or we haven't really been pushing into the uh, the opponent's final third, but uh, on our day, we can do well. And what does worry me, though, is that their offense so I'm looking on a stats website right now, and I know I even mentioned to to Rick um, yesterday during the West Ham match that stats don't tell the game. Uh, we could be getting all the stats in the world and, and having everything be on our side, and yet we lose to West Ham 1-0. And that could always happen too. But um, as far as goals, we have eight. They have 16. Their expected goals... We have 9.6, they have 13.7. It's not looking good statistically. Although if they, kind of like what we've been just saying, that if they don't utilize their individual players to their advantage, we could take advantage of that disadvantage, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yes, it does. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I'm just, that's the other thing. In terms of predictions, I'm like, I don't even, like how Austin said, like this could literally go either way. Of course, there's always three outcomes to every match, of course. But like each team is due a like a statement win one way or another based on the talent they have or whatnot. But Lucas, what do you got? No, I mean, it it is one of those where something seems like, it seems like something's got to break for one of these teams. And you just, like you said, well, like both these teams are due. Um, that being the case, if you look at both teams, it's like United's the one that's at least showing signs of they are due and it is time. Maybe they do break out and uh, start playing better and find themselves a find themselves a, a path to get back on track. Uh, we haven't done anything in the last few games or against anyone with a pulse this year that's given me any hope that it's that we're going to be the one that actually breaks out. Um, I mean, other than that first day of the season against man city um, in all of our Premier League games, I, I don't think other than the man city one, is there any one that was really stood out and you were pumped about the way we played and thought things looked really good. Like even Newcastle. Yeah. We played all right for a little while. We still made, some horrendous errors um, still couldn't score on them for with 10 men for the end of the game, or it's just, there's been, there's been very little in these Premier League matches that has said that that has indicated that we're going to be the ones that are going to be on top when something's got to give on Saturday. It seems like it's probably going to be more likely to be United. Unfortunately. Yeah. And I think how Catherine said earlier, we have a, I think we have a depth issue, but like she was reeling off a bunch of players. Like my guy, Johnny Vanderbeek's on the bench. So it's like, 
it's like that time where like you know if they're like when one's like okay, I'm sorry, your around. guy. Your... Oh yeah, I love Donny Van de Beek. But he's not Swedish. No, that doesn't that doesn't matter. Don't discriminate. <laughs> but um, so but like, like you know they're like okay guys stop fucking around let's take this over screw Solskjaer's tactics etc. You know. So, like, that's the biggest thing. Like, because Ronaldo, you know, he's got that leadership. And he, like, you know, him, he's, like, he's the one that t- will take things seriously. He's, like, but I don't know. Anybody have any final thoughts? Because it sounds like we're kind of at the end of the conversation before we had the predictions. Austin? Well, no, I was just going to say, I mean, yeah, it, you just hit the nail on the head. I mean, like, with, with CR7, I mean, that's I know you, I think, uh, Captain, you were going to say Penaldo is what you were going for for the Twitter, I believe, earlier. But, no, I mean, anybody who knows anything about anything knows that he can take over a game. And that's that's the worrisome part. It's like, how well will we defend? Like, how well will we defend? And that's that's going to be the tipping point of the game. Because I think, like, we can be as dangerous as anybody. And with, what, with our, you know, with Kane and Son up there, we can... On a, on a chance, we can be as dangerous as anybody, but over a sustained period, it's how well can we defend that onslaught? Because that's what I that's what I picture for the whole day. Cool. Um, anybody have any final thoughts then before we head to predictions? Catherine says no. Lucas is staying silent. Okay, let's do predictions. Um, you know what? I'm going to start first. I'm going to say we're going to lose, unfortunately, uh, 2-0. And of course, since we're losing uh, with nil, that means there's no scores on our end. So, who wants to go next? Okay, Lucas, what do you got? I will take. Uh, I will go first. Um, I'll just pile on the sunshine parade here. Uh, yeah, I got us losing three one. Um, I, I, like again, not to beat a dead horse here, but I just there's very little that I've seen from us lately that has me capable like when Catherine read off those names they don't have to be in good form for any one of those guys to just take over a game or to just be at the right spot and just do like instinctually just bang in a goal and we we seem like we're the team that has to play 90 minutes perfectly for us to get the win here whereas they could go play a 50 percent of their best and one of their studs is could just have a be at the right place right time bang one in um so yeah, 3-1, um, and I'll say Kane scores. He is due to score another goal, so let's hope it's soon. Who wants to go? Oh. I can go. Okay. Yeah, I'll so, you pick, pick us up uh, a little bit. Give us some positivity getting, here. Yeah, my positivity, which normally I would say that we would win just because out of I sheer stupidity on my part, but I'm going to say a 2-2 draw. And I will say Kane and um, who else do I want to see grab a goal? This is, I'm just pulling this out of nowhere. Um, If you couldn't tell, I'm trying to, you know, get a little time. Yeah. Um, Gosh. I'll, you know, I'll say Hoiberg. Okay. For some reason, he hasn't, he hasn't played I love more him. lately, and he hasn't been playing too. It doesn't matter where he plays; it could be from like the, I don't his think he's yard. Score if he plays as goalkeeper, though. 
his 30 well, yard I mean, streamer he, that he had like a few weeks he's ago. He's one of the only he's one of the only guys getting shots on target. So and he's one of the only guys shout. who plays. I mean, from 35 yards out, but nonetheless, but yeah, he's still taking shots. Hoybjerg <laughs> and Kane then. Sounds good, Austin. What do you have? I mean, this lack of confidence out of you guys and lack of just any kind of gusto is just BS. And that's why I'm going to say a 4-0 loss. And here's what – no, I'm kidding. I'm just, I, will not, I will not I will not be a part of it. No, I, I actually – I mean, I do see it going either way. And I know – I think they're going to score. I think it would be silly to think that they won't. But I, I, I do think that we're going to counterattack on them. So I think we're going to get our old taste, especially at home. We're going to get some explosiveness out of Sun and Kane. So I think we're going to get a 2-1, a victory on the backs of them. And I think we are going to get it by by way of Sun and Kane on the counterattack. I picture one where Sonny breaks free and has a one-on-one. And then a Sun, Kane, you know, top, you know trip, uh, pop, 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 Kane breaks free. And otherwise, I think it's just going to be one of those, uh, we're going to have to bat down the hatches and there's going to be a million shots on goal. One's going to get in, but we're just going to defend like we used to. So that's what I predict. I do like your optimism, though. I, and people might hate on me for, like, predicting losses or whatever, but when it comes to predictions, I, I, I try to be... We hate on you for logic. other stuff. It's not, it's not just that. We hate on you for most... We just don't tell oh. you about it, but... Sweden, especially. <laughs> Thanks. Um, no, but I try to be logical with my predictions, and then, you know, it's not that I don't love Spurs, but it's just... Eh. I don't Nobody Tommy, Tommy, you're you're preaching to the choir. And Luke's locks. I'm literally telling people to go out and bet on United. It's free yeah. money. So, it's, I'm not saying yeah, I, I want mean, it to happen. I'm just saying if it's going to happen, I might as well get financially compensated for it. Tommy, also, you're hosting a Spurs podcast. Of course, you don't love Spurs. Clearly, I'm I'm doing it for the money. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> um, where are you? Ah, okay. But anybody have any final thoughts before we sign off? No. Nah. Okay, that's a, that's a negative. Okay, so thank you again for me for editing and sound, Anthony for scheduling, uh, Joe for actually for the production notes. Um, thank you very much because I know whenever you do it, it's great. Anthony, um, your efforts do not go unnoticed, of course. Um, Charlie for music, Kevin for social media, Lucas for Luke's locks, Catherine for her Spurs women update. Um, Kimberly for the logo, and of course, uh, Atlantic Bar and Grill for having a place to watch the match. Um, so for those who don't know, we will be open, or the bar will be open tomorrow for Burnley, and of course, open for Saturday. Um, in terms of recording, Anthony wants to have a schedule of recording, give or take, once a month at the bar. So hopefully we'll do that sometime next month, a.k.a. a few days. Um, as usual, find our merchandise on Big Head Media. And also, if you want to find our podcast, we are also on Spotify and Stitcher if you want to find it as well. Of course, hit the subscribe button, write us a review if you like us or not on iTunes. And um, if you ever want to give us a review anywhere, whether it be Podcast Addicts, Stitcher, Spotify, um, Art19, I think is another one. Wherever you get your podcasts, write us a review. It'll be good, good exposure. Uh, of course, we are on social media, at on Twitter and on Facebook at Four Star Spurs. Uh, if you want to go to our website, we do have a website, fourstarspurs.com. Um, there is a backlog of episodes. There's some blog posts. We haven't updated that for a while. There's some random bios, why we became a fan um, and whatnot. There's some previous Rick rants and whatnot. So take a look. Hopefully you'll like it. And 
ah, Catherine, just go for it. I I can't read. And this. and don't miss my uh, state sides for a series that are on. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, actually, good to mention. On the so, feed as well as on the website. Catherine did. Uh, she recorded a, a decent amount in the summer, so um, I never really mentioned it, but we do try to upload that during international weeks or where there is a break in recording. So those are usually when it's going to get released. So um, Catherine's next episode will probably be, if I'm, if I'm looking at the calendar right, probably the 15th, because that's when international break is, and that's our next uh, break. So take a listen. Hopefully you'll like it. I enjoyed it when I recorded with her. So like Anthony and his wife, Shannon, um, British Rick, uh, amongst other people on the podcast, so listen. And as usual, come on. Through.